Today we have Lynn Frist, number 90, also known as Photo Girl in the 2021 Scooter Cannonball. So 2021 was your first Cannonball. You rode a 2019 Vespa GTS 300 and finished in 34th place. Uh, it was not an easy Cannonball to be a rookie in by any means. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Be- before we get too far <laughs> along, uh, kind of two questions for you. First, who are you? Where are you from? you know, kind of off the scooter. And if you can guess, the second question will be kind of about your riding background and experience there. So my name is Lynn. Hello, everybody. And um, I am pretty much a new-ish rider. I kind of got bit by the bug a while ago, and um, I've kind of been riding ever since. My daytime job or my like adult job is I'm an actual, I'm actually a registered nurse here in the state of Maine, which is where I live. Uh, I'm originally from Connecticut. I moved here quite a few years ago. And um, I've been here ever since. I really like it here. I finally got my very first scooter. It was a 50cc um, Yamaha. Um, I think it was a Metropolitan. And I bought that in 2009. And I was super pumped. I bought it in the wintertime. Snow on the ground. I couldn't use it. I was getting ready to go pick it up in April so I could start tooling around town on it. And I received a fairly significant injury while I was playing hockey. So I blew out my ACL. So because of that, it prevented me from getting that scooter. So if anything, it just made me even more, it just gave me even more energy and it just made me more excited to get the scooter. So I waited another year and I finally picked up my scooter and I rode it around and then realized, I don't know, three weeks in that I needed something that went faster, which is what happens for most people when they get their first scooter. And if it's a 50cc, you realize, no, I need something faster. I decided to just I was going to bypass the 125s. I was going to bypass everything, the 250s. And I went straight to getting my motorcycle license and it got a 500cc Royal Enfield. It was a uh, single cylinder and it was awesome. And I loved it. It had a very vintagey look to it. And I just loved riding around. But I found that it wasn't as smooth in terms of um, riding because you had to do shifting. You had to push, you know, do the clutch and I just felt like it was very distracting for me. It made it difficult for me to concentrate on just not getting killed. So I switched over to another scooter and I bought myself a genuine Stella. It was a 125. Um, at the time, it was bright red. At the time, I thought it was fantastic and it was good. And it, it gave me some of the speed that I was looking for, but I wanted to go faster. I kept the I kept the Stella for a few a number of years and I used it around town and it was so much fun. And I just loved it. And I decided that um, when I heard about the Cannonball Run happening in 2020, I was like, okay, this is it. This is my year. I'm doing it. I'm buying a Vespa. I'm going to get a Vespa. It's going to be the fastest one I can get and still be able to qualify in the Cannonball. And I'm going to just blow the shit out of it. And it's going to go, I'm going to cross the finish line with it in flames if I have to, but I'm, I'm getting a Vespa. And so that's where I found myself. So you had almost, you had a decade of, of riding going into the, the Cannonball this year. Yeah. Yes, roughly. There were a couple of years when I didn't ride very much, but in terms of like a long distance ride, like what we did in the Cannonball, I had absolutely no experience. The summer before, several members of my scooter group, which is the North Star Scooter Club here in Maine, we actually did the Four Corners of Maine tour, which is a roughly, it was roughly about 1,500 miles. And we hit the Four Corners of Maine. We did it in about five days. And that was so much fun. We had such a blast. And we did it in preparation for the cannonball. It was like, okay, yeah. this is long days, on the seat, sore butt, And, and consecutive like days of riding with, with overnights and hotels. Yeah. Consecutive so, days yeah, of riding. I noticed you registered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. September 18th and, and registration opened the 16th of September in 2019. So you were, you were like first in line (laughs) 
for that. Yeah. So you were you oh, were yeah. waiting for registration oh, to open. Hell yeah, basically. I um I had heard about the cannonball run. Like I had heard like whisperings of it, like back in like 2008, maybe 2006. There's a gentleman whose name is Simon, um, who is who mm-hmm. was living in Maine at the time, and he actually did a couple of the cannonballs. And I had heard about it on the Modern Festival website. I think is where I first heard about it. And I was just like, I don't know what this is. And I don't know who puts it together, but this is badass. And I'm going to, I'm getting a piece of this. And so I, so you, you would, you'd follow the event for a long a time. Bit. Because Simon wrote in 2010, I believe. Yep. Uh, wait, yeah. 10, 2010. Yep. In Vancouver to, uh, to Portland. Maine. Which would have been perfect because I live in Portland. So I, I remember talking to him and I think he had come back. I think he had finished. No. I think he was getting ready to go on the cannonball. So this is right around the time he was getting ready to go. And he was telling me all about it. He says like, yeah, you know, I'm getting the scooter to Vancouver. And we're going through the mountains and British Columbia. And then we're going to come down into the United States. And we're going to go through the prairie states. And then we're going to end up in Portland. And I was like, oh, my God. And I came very close to going because I didn't. I literally lived maybe two miles away from where you guys finished in 2010. And I was going to mm-hmm. ride over there on my scooter and just like greet everybody as they were arriving. But then I was just like, these guys are going to think you're psycho. Don't do that. Because that's just weird. That's weird. No, not at all. Right. Well, if I had known, I would have totally been there with beers and everything. But I um, I did watch the film that they did for that particular cannonball, which was It's Not a Race. And so I kind of watched that. And believe it or not, I kind of used that as like a study guide or like a book of like what not to do. Yeah, that, that that's a that's a good uh, example of what not to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And, and kind of get a, a flavor of the uh, personalities right. um, that you find in this event for sure. Right. And it was it was good for me because it made me realize when I was watching that movie and after, I mean, I watched this movie, I think like after I signed up, like I signed up not knowing what the hell I was getting myself into. Like true story. I had no concept. It was just like, it was kind of one of those things. Like when I signed up, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so much fun. And I have the hair is going to be flowing. And I'm going to be going across the mountains and I'm going to see parts of the country that I've never seen before. And I had this like, I had this very like almost idealized version of what it was going to be like without understanding the cold, harsh realities that is Cannonball Rock. So you had 21, I mean, with the, with the pandemic postponement, you had almost 21 months between registration and the starting line. I, yeah, I did. Now I, I, if I remember you, you rode with some, some other riders who had also registered for Maine and out okay. of that original group, are you the only one that that made it in July of 21? No, actually, there's one other person, Mary Mary. I believe she's number Mary Mary. Yeah, yes. Mary Mary. Um, she was the other one, and she she was like hell bent. She there was nothing that was going to stop this woman from going. She was going from hell or high water, and she didn't care how she's going to get there. But she was going to be in Bar Harbor that morning, no matter what. A lot of the other people that I had signed up with that were from Maine, we had originally, um, I think we originally had eight people signed up from Maine that were supposed to go. But, you know, again, COVID really put a damper on things. And a lot, you know, a lot of these people had, you know, kids and things, things had just lined up so perfectly for us to do 2020 that if it wasn't for COVID, we wouldn't have been able to do this. But, you know, people had like kids graduating and they had like small businesses to run. Um, they had the time allotted for that two week pe- period, but they couldn't necessarily get it for the next summer. And I was one of them. I was just like, this isn't going to happen. There's no way that I can do this. Maybe I could do 2023 or maybe I can do 2024 or, you know, whatever the next one is, but I just didn't see it happening. And, um, as we got closer, I think, I don't think I actually made like the definitive decision. Like I remember you sending out emails, like, do you think you're going? Are you not going? Are you going? Like, I remember getting those emails. 
And every single time was like, yep, yep, yep. But in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, this isn't happening. But I didn't, I didn't want to jeopardize my spot. So I was just like, yep, 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 Dave, I'm coming. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm, yep, I'm on, I'm on. Yeah, we, and, we had that. We sent out some, several emails from the organizing side. We were terrified of mm-hmm. who was going to turn. I and mean, we had almost 200 people that were registered and no idea how many we would have in Bar Harbor. Yeah, true story, true yeah. story. And that was the thing. It was just like, you know, like Mary, like, cause Mary was just, she was on me. She was just on me and on me and on me. She's like, come on, you really should do this. Come on, you should do this. You should do this. And I, I wanted to do it. Like I wanted to do it with my whole heart, but I had just started another job and it was, I was brand new to this position. And I just wasn't really sure if this was like, Hey, by the way, I know I just started, you know, uh, you know, nine months ago, but mm, I was wondering if I'd have two weeks off and roll it summer. Yeah. That's an ask. Yeah. That's an, that's a big, that's a big ask. That's a big and one. That's, it, it's a big one. And the other thing too is, is I work with a very small, dedicated group of people. So it's not that it was going to necessarily uh, make things difficult for them, but it's just having one less person on the team available could have made things a little difficult. But, you know, I talked to my boss and I talked to my my colleagues and they were like, absolutely, absolutely, go do it. Go, go, go. So once I got the go ahead from them, then it started to become a little bit more real but truth be told, like even that weekend, like I started packing up my scooter and I was, you know, Beth was awesome. She did like a, that laundry truck, that trailer truck. So you could put like all of your crap on there. You wouldn't have to carry it, which was amazing. And I remember reading the email from her and it's like less than 30 pounds. And I'm like, Oh my God, less than 30 pounds. I'm like, Jesus, like, how am I going to get less than 30 pounds in this thing? Like, that's insane. And I just, you know, my anxiety was just like out of control because I was just like, I don't know if I can do this, but I really, really, really wanted to do it. And it was just a matter of just kind of like, almost like stepping back and just like taking a minute to breathe. And just instead of looking at this huge, big undertaking, which was 10 days across the country on a 250cc or a two, you know, a 300cc scooter with absolutely no idea, no mechanical experience, none of that stuff. I just had to stop and look at what I was doing and go, okay, look, just get the tote packed tonight. Don't think about anything else. Just get the tote packed. The hardest part is getting to the start in this event. Right. It really yeah. is. And it, and, and I truly, I, I mean, even now thinking like, even looking back, like, you know, six months later, I still cannot fucking believe I even did it. Like I still, there's still a part of me that's like, you really didn't do that, but I did. And it, it's a very, it's a very surreal. It just, it doesn't seem like any of that really happened. I, I feel like it's almost like a dream into some, to some degree. How was it day to day? It was hard day to day. I think, you know, like that, that night before when we got to Bar Harbor and we got, we went to that barbecue, which was awesome. Even still, even though I was in Bar Harbor, I was on my scooter. I was at the hotel. Even then, that night, I remember laying in bed, looking at the ceiling, going, this isn't really happening. This is, you know, this isn't happening. There's no way that this is really happening. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, even then, not even 12 hours before the start, I was still, like, not sure I was going to be able to go through with it. Yeah. And the start is kind of like a ripping off the bandaid. We all gather at six in the morning and (laughs) there's a photo at 630. And it's kind of just peer pressure. You, you go or you, yeah. you know, you don't really at that point. Yeah, or, it's it's Godspeed. Yeah. Like, good luck. I'll Maybe I'll see you in Manchester tonight. I don't know. And that's kind of what happened. Like, even that morning, like, I'm, I'm in the hotel room. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I can't lie to you guys. You know, like, I mean, it's not, it's true story what happened. But I, my anxiety was just so out of control that I literally would have, I hate to say it, but I'm a nurse. So this is what I do. 
I literally had diarrhea and was shitting my pants every morning. Every morning I'd wake up, I'd get dressed and cleaned up, I'd shit myself, and then I'd get on the scooter and I'd make sure everything was all set. Gas, oil, my supplies, so I have everything I need for the day. And then literally I would just go. And I barely ate during the day. Um, you know, stuff like that. Like my anxiety, my nervous system, like my nerve, my whole my body was just like a giant nerve. Like every day I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like every day it felt like I was just trying to survive, which is very dramatic because I'm a dramatic person, but it really did feel like I was just like, just, just make it to the hotel. Just get to the hotel. You just need to get to the hotel. Um, but looking at your scorecards though, like it, it wasn't, you know, just get to the hotel. You, you, you rode the event, you were to the, you know, to the, uh, the various photo checkpoints, um, on a lot uh-huh. of the, you know, very challenging days. So it was, did you group ride or, I mean, were you, you were with Mary, but she was kind of off and on and then kind of out due to some mechanical issues. Did you pair up? How did, how did it kind of unfold mostly for you? So, yeah, I mean, the, I don't really think that Mary and I ever really had the expectation of like riding together. I think it was just like, you know, we'll see each other in passing, you know, as long we'll check in on each other, make sure we're okay. But we both kind of understood that this was kind of like an individual kind of situation. Like we needed to do what need what we needed to do for us to get to the hotel. And that's kind of how it went. The first probably four or five days, I essentially rode on my own. I was actually lucky enough to spend the one day with Murray. I think that was Tuesday maybe or Wednesday. I got to spend the day with Murray. So we rode together and he had some mechanical issues. He's just like, no, just go. You don't have to sit here with me. You don't have to wait. I'm going to take the engine apart. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do this. He's like, don't worry about it. Just go. And so I did. I went and um, left him. I don't think I actually started like riding with somebody else until probably Saturday. I think, I think Saturday was the day. And then Sunday was a very challenging day because that was the day of all yeah. dirt. So and, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, so, so you were one of four riders who made the decision yeah. to just take a, a DNF for the day. And this was after, I mean, six yep. days of, of, of doing it. I, like I said, I looked at your scorecard. I mean, you were, you were, <laughs> you didn't miss a leg, you know, or a photo checkpoint. I mean, you were, you were on it yeah. to kind of recap day seven was the, the longest day of the event. It was you know, 527 mm-hmm. miles, assuming no wrong turns. Yeah upwards of, I think they were 75 miles on multiple unpaved mm-hmm. surfaces, which were all kind of individually very challenging. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't just a, a county gravel road that day. Um, and then somewhere right. in the middle, you know, we, we crossed the continental divide uh, and it, mm-hmm. it just wasn't an easy ride. And this was coming off day six, mm-hmm. which is very unassuming through the badlands of South Dakota, where we also had right. some unpaved roads and, and just difficult riding early in the day and then kind of topped off with the Custer State Park. You know, the last mm-hmm. 11 miles was was kind of hell. And then in between, we had the <laughs> the, the shoots and ladders through the Mount Rushmore area, you know, of the, of the Black Hills. So on, yeah. day, on how did that come about? And and just from an, like an organizer <laughs> perspective, very relieved to to make the decision right. to, to not ride the route the next day. We, we constantly kind of push, you know, you're, you're responsible for your own safety and people continue to come up to the scorekeeper table or, you know, to myself or others and look for us to make that decision for them. How did that kind of transpire? So, okay, full disclosure, one of the biggest mistakes that I made and that I hope no one ever does what I did was I never looked at the routes. Like I knew we were going from Bar Harbor to Eureka, California. I didn't necessarily know how we were getting there and I didn't really care. I just wanted to go. I wanted to say that I did the cannonball run. That was the biggest motivation for me was being able to say that I, Lynn Frisk, rode a friggin' 300cc scooter across the United States on 12-inch tires. I'd like to see you do that. 
that was my biggest motivation for doing this. With that being said, the problem is, is that I was too focused on being able to say that and not really kind of look at what I was getting myself. So you just kind of video game. Your your GPS had the had the right the the route, and you you just followed. That was it. it. I had Scott Taggart's (laughs) trick tracks, and that's what I did. I never really looked at the map. I had heard musings, rumblings, whispers about Saturday which was going through Custer State Park. And, you know, it's like 11 miles of gravel. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't sound too bad. I think I can do it. When we were in Custer State Park on that last leg, on that last part of dirt before we got to town, I blew out my rear tire. So I was literally riding like on my rim to get to the hotel. So I, I rode that last part of that that afternoon on yeah. a flat and, tire. And for that section, there was no way. And this was actually through Wind Cave National Park. So it was a very mm-hmm. narrow kind of a goat trail mm-hmm. and on either end you know yep. it had the you know you couldn't get a support truck down that road so you were either pushing the scooter out or you were riding it until there was nothing oh, yeah. left there was no for that 11 miles you could yep. not get something in there it was you know maybe another scooter could tow you perhaps but that was it you were yeah true story there was no yeah. option yeah they, it was this was this was definitely like sink or swim and this was definitely um th- that was the situation where you know and you're right you know we are taking our our own safety into our own hands. So you have to look at the situation that you find yourself in to decide whether this is really worth doing or not. Having used my only rear tire that I had brought with me, I didn't have another one. And I had, I knew talking to a couple of other cannonballers that we were going to have like 75 miles of dirt and gravel. I'm like, I can't do it because I don't have another tire. If I blow out this tire, I'm going to literally be pushing the scooter. I'm going to have to abandon them on the side of the road and get a ride. Something, it, it just didn't have, I didn't have the confidence that I was going to be able to navigate being that I didn't have a lot of like off-road type gravelly kind of like experience. I just didn't think it was safe and I didn't want to put other people at risk trying to help me, which was another concern of mine because that's how the cannonball works. Like people see you down and they stop and they try to help you. And in certain situations, that's really awesome. And I, that's what I love about the people who do the cannonball. And that's what I love about the cannonball. But I also did not want to put other people at risk trying to bail my ass out because I made a poor decision. So I talked to Anson and I talked to Craig uh, and Kimber, Kim, she, she, she was, she wasn't really with us, but she did the same route. So we would pass her and she would pass us, but we decided that the safest and easiest way to go about this was to just take the highway. Which that was is still what almost 450 miles of riding. It wasn't like you, you, we were, we were doing 527 no. and you guys had a, you know, an, an easy 150. Um, it was, it was 450 miles across Wyoming. And I really heard right. nothing but terrible things about most of the highway 80 that you oh. were on. <laughs> so. oh. Yeah, it was the worst. It was the worst fucking thing I've ever been through. I mean, to be honest with you, looking back, I probably should have done the gravel because it just would have been easier. But being passed by double double semi trailer trucks going like ninety miles an hour on a you know what like a four hundred pound scooter is not exactly what I would consider like a, yeah, it's a, a quite day windy the out there too. The other problem, <laughs> it's just on its own. It is. It's super windy. The other thing, it's super yeah. friggin' monotonous. So like. We were on day seven. I didn't get, I wasn't getting sleep. I was exhausted physically. My brain wasn't working. I was foggy. And so here I am going like, you know, 80 miles an hour on my scooter. And I'm like literally falling asleep. Like I, I fell asleep on my scooter driving. And it's kind of funny because, well, it's not funny, but Craig was behind me and he thought I was messing around because he saw my scooter moving forward, going straight. 
And then all of a sudden I started, I started to slowly uh, list to the right. I almost hit a cone that was like a, a safety cone on the side of the road. And just before I hit it, I was just like, I woke up and I was like, holy shit. And I just kind of like straightened out. But what was going through my mind when I was on the scooter and I felt my eyes closing was all I could think of in my head was I just, just for a few seconds, I'm just going to close my eyes for a few seconds. I'm just a few seconds. It's not a big deal. And I literally almost, I almost caused a car accident. And so, you know, I almost caused an accident because I was so physically tired from riding for six days that it was it was just as dangerous taking going the way that I went as it would have been for me to take the gravel right way it, it, it was either way something bad was going to happen um, I'm lucky um, that I didn't cause an accident I'm lucky that I didn't get hurt but I legitimately did fall asleep and I could feel it in my head I kept saying I just just a few minutes I'm just going to close my eyes for just a second just a couple seconds. And then I just felt it kind of like listening were, and I woke up. You know, kind of get their itis. You were just getting through the day at that point. Yeah, survive, I was yeah. just trying to survive. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people, like I said, I don't have a lot of long distance riding experience. Like a lot of people had some pretty long distance riding experience in some way, shape or form, whether it was on motorcycles or scooters. I didn't. So like I, I knew going into this, this is probably gonna be one of the hardest things I've ever done in my adult life. I knew that I, I it wasn't really under any kind of illusions that it wasn't. Did I, I just didn't realize how hard it was really going to be. I didn't realize just how mentally exhausting this was going to be. I didn't realize how physically exhausting it was going to be. I didn't realize like how much it was just going to like tweak out my anxiety. I, I just didn't realize what I was getting myself into. But with that being said, if I know what I know now, would I do it again? Absolutely, I would. No, no doubt in my mind, I would do it again. I might do things a little bit differently, but that's what the next cannibal is. Differently, just in terms of your your own prep and kind of mental wellness, or it's it doesn't sound like you did a whole lot of like mechanical um, my own preparation prep. for this. The, the GPS, you you just oh, you screwed God, on to the to the no. mirror stem and hit play yeah, yeah okay yeah i had and, somebody do that for me and you bought a spare Dave, tire I paid someone to that's, do that for that's me. about I it you had someone, a belt maybe what um i i had uh, so i did actually have quite a bit of stuff so the great thing was is that i brought a ton of stuff with me because i knew that maybe someone's going to need something maybe i can help somebody out maybe somebody helps me and i can pay it forward to somebody else so i um i had quite a bit of stuff i had a very full tool <laughs> roll i had um all the torx drivers for everything for every size screw that i would need I had a torque wrench. I had um, zip ties. I had Loctite. I had I had four bottles of oil. I had um, two belts. I had numerous air filters. I had um, so you had you, you kind of had all the consum- um, all the consumables I, and multiple multiples. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because if you have one, you have none. If you have two, if you have one, and if you have three, you have two. So that's kind of my, that was kind of the the thought process. And I thought, well, you know what, even if I don't use this, if somebody else can use this, if this can help somebody make it to the end of the day safely, then it's worth having. That was kind of the, the idea that was behind my prep. Um, now you're definitely on the right track. Is it, uh, I, you don't do a whole lot of maintenance on your scooter or do you? (laughs) No. Okay. uh, (laughs) I don't want to be too presumptuous, but that's what I was kind of gathering here. But uh, we're talking with Doug on the, on the prior episode, you know, we, we, t- we touched on this. The If you come with the right attitude and you look like you have the right stuff or most of the right stuff, or at least you have some stuff that you can kind of pay it forward with, it goes a long way True story. versus, you know, like not being familiar with 
how to actually do some of the repairs and then trying them because you're afraid to ask for help right. or, you know, whatever it may be. And then you screw up your scooter even more. Right. I mean, you showed up with everything yep. and the right attitude and obviously it worked out, but did you have any sort of other than the tire, which, you know, multiple people had tire issues yep. you know, throughout the event. Did anything else go wrong or did you just, did nope. you do a, a belt change or nope, oil I didn't change? Do anything. Or, so I actually so just stock, how many miles did you start with? Uh, um, approximately? I think the scooter had about 2,500 miles on it. So okay, I did, so it wasn't new. No, it wasn't new. It wasn't new, it, but it, it wasn't new. However, I did learn how to change the oil on that scooter um, before I left. And I changed the okay. oil myself before I left for Bar Harbor. I learned how to change out front and rear tires. So I learned the basic stuff. I learned where the I learned where the spark plug was. I learned where the air filters were. Like I knew the most basic of things. But if if I yeah, you weren't you weren't clueless. But I wasn't clueless. But I by no means like I was. I would never be able to do what you did every night, which is tear that thing apart and put it back together. Oh, I didn't do that. Well, it seemed like you did. I, I felt like there was a lot of parts in a lot of places. But I mean, that was just everybody. Like, you know, everybody yeah. was like working on their scooter. And like, I legit, all I did was I checked the tire pressure and I checked the oil. Very good. And if I needed yep. oil, I topped it off. And if I didn't, I left it. I didn't change my oil until I got my scooter back, which was about three weeks after the ride or about three, three or four weeks after the event. That was it. I didn't do anything. I ran stock though. I didn't, the only thing that I did that I added to that was I changed out the Piaggio filter that came with the scooter and I put on a Molossi one. That's it. I didn't you do were, anything else. Otherwise, I, in all the places that matter, you were stock. I was stock. And I think yeah. the reason why it worked out for me was because I didn't tamper with anything and I was running the OEM stuff and that was it. And that's kind of what, that was my whole point. It was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to run it stock. It sounds cool to add like a really cool, like a, exhaust on it or you know make it make it go faster i'm going to try this i'm going to do that and that's all well and good but if i can't fix those things that i've added to it then i really shouldn't be doing it but that's kind of how i look at it like if i can't fix it myself i'm not putting extra extra stuff on yeah and stay in stock you know makes it easier for somebody else especially on a, you know if you're riding a, a vespa gts sure. there's no shortage of people that know those scooters in and out um, right and it you know it's being stock makes it much easier for somebody else to kind of either coach you through the repair which was a lot of that or you know kind of do it for you or kind of a, a hybrid thereof yeah i mean seth helped me like he helped me get my old tire off the original rim and put the new tire on the original one because it had that speedo ring on it. He had his tools to change out the tire and he changed it out for me. He so he and he showed me how to do it, which I thought was great because it it gave me the opportunity to watch it being done. And not that I can do it today, but I think I would be more apt to give it a try because of what he showed me. And I think that's what was really cool about being able to spend that short period of time with him when he helped me with the tire. And then Anson held the flashlight while I put the tire back on and I did the exhaust. I put the exhaust back on. It takes a um, village. It does. And and I think for, because of them, I was able to ride the next day. And because of them, I was able to finish, which was great. Yeah. Right. It was, it was just, it was really, it was just a really amazing experience and being able to, being able to just be around people that, you know, despite, I mean, especially today in today's climates where, where things just feel super divided, um, just in general, it was just really nice to be around people that were just there to have fun and to experience something that a lot of people don't get to experience and to see things that people get to, that don't normally get to see. Like not everybody gets to drive across the country. Not everybody's done it. A lot of people have, but they've done it from cars. So to be able to get on that scooter and just 
start that morning off in the, in the rain or not in the rain and just make it to that destination to see the types of things that I saw. I mean, to be honest with you, I still don't even know where, I, I don't even know half the states I was in. Like, I still don't really know. Like, I go back on a website every once in a while and I just look at the map and I'm like, holy shit, I went through that. Oh my God, I went through that state. Cool. That's cool. Oh, I remember that it was on cornfields or yeah, that's where they had those free range cows, you know? But yeah, it was, it was, it was an experience and, and it was very, um, it was very humbling for me anyways. And I think it gave me time to just like every day when I was on that scooter, it was such a freeing feeling. Like, even though I was terrified and I was super scared and, you know, I would sometimes be crying in my helmet and sometimes I'd be like freaking out about the roads or the conditions. There was just something about getting on that fucking scooter every morning, dreading it, but getting on it and then just starting to ride and just to feel that freedom. Like it was just, it was the closest thing I think I've ever felt to like soup being, being free. So you, doesn't sound like you, you helped a lot of people do any sort of wrenching and repair, but you are a nurse. Yes. Did that, uh, those skills come that, into, uh, into that play at all? That a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah t- that tell us about that. A little bit. So there was, um, I think it was day, was nine, day maybe eight? eight or nine. I think if we're I talking think about Stephen, e- yes. Yeah. Echo went down pretty bad and, uh, and got up. Were you there when you got, <laughs> were you a part of the, the riders that were with them when at the ambulance and yeah. Okay. So, so kind of walk what, us through so, that. So yeah. So sweet, sweet echo. I mean, just bless him. I mean, he's just such a great guy. I was riding along with Craig and he was behind me. Craig's on the Helix. He was Craig's our, on the Helix. Helix that, rider, yeah. that sweet ass Helix that I equate to like a Barca lounger on wheels. Um, so he was behind me and we came up and there was a pickup truck pulled off on the side of the road facing us on the right, on the left-hand side. And we were moving through and I saw on the side of the road in a ditch, Echo's scooter wheels down. So it was in normal position. And I was just like, what's going on? And there were, um, I think it was Brooke and the guy that he was riding with, they were kind of up ahead. So we kind of pulled over to see what was going on. And so we came in there and I see Echo sitting in this guy's pickup truck and he's like clutching like the left side of his body. He looks like he's like super confused. He's got like his shoulders, like he's everything's tight on the left side. So Brooke's like, yeah, he, he went down pretty hard. We just, we just got here. And he's just like, he doesn't look good. So I went to the pickup truck and I, I opened the driver's side door and I asked the guy who he was, cause I didn't know who he was. He's like, yeah, I just came up on this guy. He's, you know, he's in a bad way. So I looked at Echo and I was just like, you know, what happened? And he's just like, oh, I don't know. I don't, he was just super confused. And I think he was just really kind of, he was just kind of shaken because he literally got thrown off the scooter. Yeah, and he was a he was Thankfully, a new rider, just as kind of background. I mean, he found the event. I don't even know, like maybe a month, month and a half before it started. No. He didn't really have a lot of riding no. experience, and he was on a smaller scooter, and he did a lot of riding by himself. Yeah, and he was uh, without maybe the the best you know protective gear. And I yeah, he had a helmet. He had a helmet, yeah, definitely. And that was he about kind of it. Met the minimum requirements under the event, and yeah, yeah. I I think. For, for the accident, he kind of acknowledged that it was a little bit of, it was a straight section and uh, maybe a little bit of distraction into the GPS um, and just kind of caught the shoulder. And I think he hit her a mileage marker almost. And yeah, it was like, it was a, it was yeah. a, one of those mileage markers that comes up out yeah, of the ground. It's kind you of just tall. hit one of those on you a little see. 125 CC scooter. It's, you know, you're not going to win. So you, yeah, so you yeah, found him yeah. in the, 
in the, the pickup truck with the kind of the good Samaritan that came up, you know, upon him. Yeah, he was kind of just holding his side. And so I got him out of the truck and I got him onto the pickup truck bed. And I was just like, I need to look at you. I need to see what's going on. So I was like, you know, are you having any problems breathing? Are you having any sharp pains anywhere? Were you wearing your helmet when you went down? Let me see your helmet. So when I looked at his helmet, it had shown there was some significant scratching. um, And it wasn't cracked, but it was definitely scratched where you could see where he hit. you You could see where he hit the ground on the left side of his head. And so for me, that was a concern because if he, if he did something to his head and he's not thinking clearly or something else is going on, he, he, he's going to be dangerous. He's going to be dangerous to himself. He's going to be dangerous to anybody else who comes across him if he's still on a scooter. So I rinsed his, um, his wounds. He had scrapes and cuts all along the left side of his body. So I rinsed everything with water. I cleaned his hands. I put ointment on his fingers. I put antibiotic ointment on his side. You, were you carrying and this, or was this the? Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so you, you were as a nurse, yeah, I had kind all of that stuff travel, too. rolling with your your yeah. three spark plugs and ten belts and a, <laughs> and a first aid kit. <laughs> I had my three spark plugs and my and my bastard face and ointment, my friend. And I had some like I had like basic basic stuff, like nothing like nothing like if I came up into like a traumatic situation. But I figured I had the stuff, just the basics to kind of just kind of keep people going. So we wrapped him up and he, he wanted to get back on the scooter. And I was like, you're absolutely not getting on that scooter, not until you're examined by somebody. So the gentleman in the pickup truck was kind enough to bring us to town, which is about two miles away. And when we got to town, he dropped us off at the gas station. And we all just kind of hung out in the gas station, waiting for an ambulance to show up. So somebody, I think it was Craig, went into the store, asked the um, attendant to call for an ambulance. And then like an ambulance showed up. A uh, police car showed up, like a whole bunch of people showed up and they did a quick exam of him um, in in the ambulance to make sure that he was okay. They did a vital signs check and I think they did some, you know, uh, neuro checks to make sure that he was still okay. Um, and then I think I want to say that the cops brought him, I believe the police officer that was there brought him back to the scooter and then he just continued riding. He rode he back to the He was very hotel. determined to, to get to the, and it wasn't a like you were, cl- you were in the middle of the day. From what I remember, you're in the in the Wasatch Mountains of Utah. You know, at elevation, mm-hmm. you still had to, you know, get down from there. And then, yeah, it was yeah. so. There was there was there was a, a good chunk of the day. He was at the hotel. They, <laughs> he was yeah. he was definitely in a daze. Uh, and I remember you were yeah. you were kind yeah, of keeping was. tabs on him. Yeah, he was uh, definitely. He wasn't confused per se, but he was definitely like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Oh my God, you know, I wasn't really paying. I mean, he was just very, it was very, uh, like, I still think he was kind of like a little bit of a fog about what really happened, like what really occurred. Um, but, you know, he got there, I think that night, didn't he get there at like eight o'clock that night or something? Did he get there late? Um, it was after, it was after or dinner. Was yeah. He was in the, uh, the Lou Bob hostel in a, like a, <laughs> a multi-roommate situ- situation, but, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, that was an, an interesting. And I just remember. And the gas, we, got, we were at the gas station, so we, you know, Craig and I filled up our gas tanks, and I just remember shaking my head going, Jesus, like, there was a part of me that was just like, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to go back, I'm just going to ride back with him, because I was still kind of so nervous. So did you finish and then the day with him, or did like, you, at some point? I was thinking about it, I, I didn't go through with it, I was just like, you know what, he's a grown man, he's making his own decisions, his safety, you know, obviously, I've done what I can, I, I you know, I can only do what I can do, and he was determined to make it, and so... He got cleared by, you know, he got cleared by the EMTs. And so I'm just like, well, if they cleared him, everything's going good. Then I need to just stay in my lane and just get back. I just need to get to the friggin' hotel. And so that's what we did. So Craig and I were just like, he's probably going to be fine. And so we got to the hotel and um, 
I did see him about two or three hours later and he still was a little kind of like, Oh my God, you know, thank you so much. He was a really sweet guy, but you know, as one rookie to another, I feel like to a certain degree, he was in a little bit over his head. Um, and I'm just glad that, you know, I'm glad he was okay. And I'm glad nothing else significant happened to him the entire time, because, you know, as, as we all know, there are some people that had some significant, you know, injuries first day in, you know, going into the cannonball, you always know you're always taking that risk. And it's just, does the benefit of actually going through this outweigh the risk? And for me, I was like, absolutely. Because the benefits getting to California. On a did you have any scooter. death anxiety? Oh, um, no? I, I actually did. I actually did. And I, I will tell you that it was day mm-hmm. one, um, day mm-hmm. two and day three. Cause those were kind of like the rainy shitty days. Like that day in Michigan, I, I literally wanted to just pack the shit up and just stay in a hotel, hang out in Michigan for a few days and then ship the scooter back home and just go home. Like, I think that morning in Michigan, when the trees were falling around, uh, falling down around us and lightning was, was striking everywhere. There, there were both. You, you hit both. both. Yeah, just, just both, Dave. Just both. Just, just, just say, let's just say it was All both. Right, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania blew. And I, the one thing that I hated the most about Pennsylvania was I was in the middle. I like again. Thank God you're here because you can tell me. Oh yeah, that's when you were here. Yeah, that's where you were in this place. Because I have, I literally have no fucking idea where I was. But um, I remember being in Pennsylvania. It was raining and it was, it was, we were having, down, it was like downpours, like off and on downpours. And I was in the middle of some friggin' wooded, yep. I don't know, some national forest. And my, my scooter, I was literally on E. I didn't have extra, I didn't have extra gas. And I think it was like oil town, oil something. It was like oil something. And I was just like, for the love of God, please let there be a fucking gas station. Because if I don't have a gas station, I'm literally gonna have to push the scooter because there was no one around me. I was by myself, practically. You know, people were passing me here and there, but I was by myself. And I finally got to a gas station where I literally was able to fill up. But it that was probably the most anxiety producing moment because I was in the middle of nowhere. It was getting fucking dark out. It was getting late and I had no gas. So that was definitely anxiety provoking and a little bit of death provoking because of the rainstorms and the downpours. But Michigan, that morning in Michigan, when we left and it was downpouring, my, my helmet visor broke. So I couldn't open it to just get a little bit of airflow. So it was closed. And so every time I would breathe out, it would fog up and I couldn't see, but I couldn't keep my visor up because it wouldn't stay up. And then I was getting pelted with rain. So I had to ride steering and, and, you know, hitting the throttle with my right hand in my left hand, I was literally cracking open my helmet, the helmet visor, so I could actually see what was going on in front of me because it was still yeah. dark out. That was left. kind of the trick. I mean, the, the day two and three, if you left early in the morning, you missed all the late afternoon, you know, thunderstorms. I think I, I think I got on the road like around seven thirty. So I got, I was just, I was just the the rain was kissing. It was kissing me. Like I was, I kept getting pulled in, and I kept pulling out in front of it. I get pulled in, I pulled out in front of it. So. I was literally like on the cusp of that storm. But when I got to the Mackinac Bridge, I think it's the Mackinac Bridge, that big one. That like was getting amazing. there and the, and the weather was, yeah, ter- was, that was, was terrifying. It was just that. Yeah. That was oh, tough. my God. That weather was ridiculous. It was just the weather was just ridiculous. And the freaking hurricane and like Maine, and like whatever. It was just a bunch of bullshit. But it really, you know, those were definitely the days when I was just like, OK, this is this is what have I gotten myself into? Like, this is not a good idea. This is not safe. I should be not doing this like. And the funny thing is, is I kept thinking, like, if my mom knew what was going on right now, she would just, like, slap me right upside the head. Like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Get out of here. 
So those are definitely some anxiety provoking days. But the last day was really, really hard for me. That was probably the one day where my anxiety and my distress almost almost made me just shut. I like almost shut down completely. And I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Um, because of those hills and those really, those hairpin curves and, you know, you're riding along and then the road cuts to the left hard or cuts to the, cuts to the right hard. And there's like, it's just like the edge of the road. And then like a, a sheer cliff that goes down, like, you know, you know, 700 feet. That was really hard for me. Like, and I was having a really hard time because I couldn't, I couldn't, find the courage to go fast. So it was only going like 20 or 25 or 30 miles an hour. And like, you know, people on scooters, bless them. They love the twisties and I get it. Um, but they were like rolling up on me and it would just, it just made things even worse. Like they were behind me, they wouldn't pass me. And, you know, there were a couple of times when I just had to pull over and I pulled over the last time I pulled over, I just literally just started crying. Like just like a little girl, I couldn't help it because I was so scared and I was so nervous and it was it was really difficult for me but I did it I made it all the way to the end I never got on the truck um that day but there were I think if there was any point in time when I was going to give up I that was probably the day that was the yeah. day that if it was going to happen was it was the it, only was day it. I think I really sincerely cursed myself as kind of the um, the designer planner of the route that after we had gone through all of that, the last segment of the day was. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Dave. There were a couple of times on that cannonball where I thought, you know, yeah. if I thought I could slap Dave in the face and get away with it, I would totally do it. But, you know, I say that in jest. I mean, obviously, we'd never do that. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, when you really kind of take a look at that, and I understand where you're coming from, like, you know, Google Maps didn't really look that bad, but, you know, Jesus, it was actually a lot worse. I think the thing that people need to remember, um, especially those that might um, come from the perspective of like, well, yeah, you know, that was, a, you know, what the hell are you, what were you guys thinking? Um, you know, the thing is, is that you did what you could with the information that you had, but also people need to take a little bit of responsibility yep. because they signed up for this. They signed up for this knowing very goddamn well that they're putting themselves in some fairly perilous situations. Now, with that being said, I, not once did I ever think, oh my God, you know, who the hell, who the hell came up with this? I mean, I was just joking around like, oh my God, I'm like, curse you, Dave, I'm going to get you someday. You know, it was more of like a joking thing. Like I never took it very seriously because in the, at the end of the day, it was me. I was the one who was responsible for getting from the, from hotel to hotel. I was the one that was responsible for making those kinds of decisions and choices. And as you can see, there was one day and I decided I have had enough. I am not technically, I'm not a technically an advanced enough rider to handle 75 miles or so or whatever it was yeah. of gravel. I just, I know I can't, I will go down. I might get hurt. So I opted to go a different route, which wasn't really any easier per se, but it was just a different way of going. And I think that while the cannonballs very much a super friendly, big kind of a group event, you really are competing with yourself. You're competing with, whatever demons it is that you have to deal with, whether it's anxiety or it's, you know, mechanical, like not being mechanically inclined or, um, you know, that competitive nature. I mean, it's basically you against you. You're not really against anybody else. And I think that's the biggest thing is that I didn't really think that I could pull this off. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. I just thought for sure I was going to chicken out and just be like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not doing that. 
I mean, that's a great idea, but I'm not doing it. Are you going to do it again? 2023 or? Uh, I'd like to, if I can get into 2023, I'd like to, awesome. um, getting the scooter there will be a little bit difficult. Getting it back will be a little difficult, but you know, if I could do 2023, I, I would like to, I'm probably going to register just to be on the safe side, but if I can do it, I'm going to, but you know, at the end of the day, I look back at every single day and I look back at those experiences and I think to myself, I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I leaned into my discomfort and I did it and I finished. And that's kind of how I look at it. I don't care if I was 34th or I don't care if I was 34th or 150. I don't care. I did it. Yes, you did. Well, so, yeah. this has been great. Thanks for joining. Well, thank you for having me. I had a great time. And, you know, if anybody who's listening is actually considering doing this, step out of your comfort zone and just do it. Absolutely. Absolutely.